0: This podcast contains content that may not be suitable for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Previously on Cry in the Moon's Light On the way to meet Seth, Milady continues with the rest of her story. While recovering in the church, Seth reveals to her that William is the Black Wolf. The same Black Wolf that attacked her when she was young and the same black wolf that nearly killed her on the beach. William was turned into a werewolf when they were young and has always been obsessed with her. After Seth saved her from the first attack, William was so enraged that he killed Seth's entire family. To protect his son, Lord Parliament hid the murders and hired Barkslow to contain William. Unable to stop William from the murderous rampages, Barkslow finally hires the Hessians to kill William and the pack. When William learns Milady will be traveling through the Dark Forest, he sees his chance to kill her yet again and sets out with his pack to Myrcelle. But Seth continues to protect her and saves her on the road as well as the beach. Welcome to A Cry in the Moon's Light. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Alan McGill. I'm the author who created this story, and I'll also be your narrator. And now, on with our show. Chapter 11, Village Under Siege. She awoke sometime later to a hush of voices. Seth was standing just outside the door, talking to a young boy. The boy seemed emphatic and kept pointing out into the forest. After a few moments, the boy ran off and Seth returned to the room. He noticed she was awake and now sitting up bleeding had long since stopped and her wounds had healed nicely. She was feeling much better and more coherent. She felt stronger, too. Everything was like a dream. How could anything of what he had told her last night be true? She knew it was real, and her heart became heavy. Seth began putting on his coat as he walked over to her. He placed a hand over her forehead. "'Your fever is broken,' he said as he checked her wounds. "'Your wounds have almost completely healed.' "'How is that possible?' she asked. "'I use some of my blood in the ointment,' he said. "'Don't worry. It will not make you like me. "'Sometimes my blood helps to heal others. "'It's one of the few things that is good about the curse.' "'He sat back in the chair.' His face turned to concern before he spoke. Marcel is under attack, he said. William has killed more of the people there. The pack has trapped some of the townsfolk in the stables. I have to go back, he said. She flew into his arms as tears welled up into her eyes. She held on tight, but knew he would not change his mind. He was going, he had to. I'm their only hope. I wanted to end things in that alley a few nights ago. But the townspeople and the Hessians scared him off. He burst through the fence before I could get to him. I never wanted to hurt William. For years I let him spill innocent blood, blaming it on the curse. I cannot sit by anymore. He has to be stopped. If I can get there before he leaves. I might be able to end this now. This night. Seth finished. I thought you said he was more powerful than you. She asked. He is. But that doesn't make him invincible. Seth said. He slowly pushed her back and stood up. He moved the chair and walked to the corner of the room. Moving a table out of the way, he pulled open a hidden door on the floor. This trap door led to a secret compartment under the room. It was big enough for a couple of people to hide. There was water and a few candles. A small firebox was in the corner with a pipe that went into the ground and came out, away from the church. Stay in here until I return. If I'm not back by midday, take the road to the north. Go back to the sea where I drove off the pack. If you see anyone, get off the road and hide. The pack has keen senses of smell, but if they are in a hurry, they might miss you. At the sea, not far from where I found you, there is a cave in the big rocks. You can hide in there until I arrive. The opening is just big enough for you to squeeze through. They can't get in there. Stay out of sight. I'll find you. Once this is over, I'll take you to Trevor Doe. Seth finished. She got up slowly and peered down. Reaching out, she wrapped her arms around him again, tighter this time. This sent a huge surge of emotion through him. It was his life's dream to hold on to her just one more time. But not like this. He pulled her from him and guided her down the ladder. When they reached the ground, she lit a candle which illuminated the room. She turned to him. Seth pulled a dagger from his belt and put it in her hand. Take this. This will kill him. If it gets close enough to you for you to use this, You're probably dead, but if you can stab him with this, it will kill him. Seth finished and closed her fingers around the dagger. The blade is black. I thought you said silver was the only thing that could kill him, she asked. This is dark silver, he said. Her eyes inspected the dagger closely. What is dark silver? The blade is forged from the purest silver known to man. Any ordinary silver through the heart will kill. Any silver that touches our skin burns or cuts. But the silver used to make dark silver is special. This silver is hard to find and it's very, very rare, he said. Where does it come from? She asked. The Romanian nobleman had the biggest stockpile of pure silver the world has ever known most believe it is found in the depths of the earth far beyond where most men are willing to go place where the ground drives out any impurities leaving the most beautiful ore there is once it is melted down and folded black magic is infused the darkest of evils poured into the metal turns the color from a shiny bright To the deepest black. The witch's magic was black, but they failed to pour all their evil into the silver they stole from the nobleman. Since then, both good and bad men have sought a weapon to destroy night creatures. Nobody really knows who created dark silver. Some say it came from a wizard in Britannia who was trying to protect a gallant king. Others believe it was some Norseman trying to impress a pagan god. The travelers say life is about balance. Men like me, our affliction is not in balance with the known universe. Dark silver was created to restore that balance. We are spawned from an evil curse. Silver has evil from the witches, but not enough. The evil in dark silver goes way beyond that evil that exists in us. This imbalance is something we cannot survive. It's why the blade turns black. Even the beauty of silver can't hide the amount of evil it has in it. A cut from one of these blades never heals, never closes. You can stitch it together, but when the stitches are removed, the wound falls apart again. And cuts from a dark silver blade Never stop bleeding. Not until the victim dies. Is there anything that can change it? She asked. It is said a practitioner of white magic can lift the curse from dark silver. Even then, it's not guaranteed. Only the purest of hearts has a chance. It is the only thing my kind truly fears. That is the true secret of silver. The Drabarni gave it to me. She carved the inscription in the handle. The dagger's blade is dull on purpose. It's sharp at the end. Meant to stab. You stab any of us with that blade, nothing can prevent death. He turned and started back up the stairs. Looking down as he reached the top, Seth spoke again. Don't come up for anybody. Stay hidden until midday. If I haven't come back yet, make your way to the sea. Don't go back to Parlamay. Trust no one," he finished. Seth, you'll be there tomorrow. Please don't disappear again," she pleaded. I couldn't bear it. Seth nodded his agreement. He shut the door over her head and the light faded away. There was nothing shining from below. She would be safe here the rest of the night. After he left, she took a closer look at the dagger. The black blade shined like glass. The handle was carved from rosewood in the shape of a cross. In the center of each side was a blue sapphire. Across the handle, there was an inscription, Isaiah 40, 29. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. She pressed the dagger close to her chest as she listened to Seth leaving the church. He ran outside and climbed atop the buckskin. With the sturdy crack of his whip, the horse darted away into the forest. Seth rode hard all the way to the edge of Marcel As he got closer, he could hear them. The wolves were howling loudly. Seth dismounted in the darkness just before town. He tied the buckskin to a tree. As he approached, he started to change. Like always, it started with pain. Every molecule in his body felt as if it were being pulled apart. Searing crushing, undeniable agony. His muscles began to move in spasm. The pores on his skin started to itch. His eyes began to water as his breath became intense. His ears shifted and started to grow, large white fangs stretching out from his jaw. Together, his muzzle and ears stretched his skin as his eyes receded. The human face that was once Seth Changed to the shape of a wolf man, Hair grew from every pore. Muscles became larger and more defined. Arms, shoulders, and chest expanding, tearing the shirt from his body. A muscular form of a half-man, half-wolf began to emerge. Thighs and calves grew with a more defined shape. And his hands and feet formed thick, powerful black claws. The last to change were his eyes. They became perfectly round orbs of brilliant shiny blue. The color was especially bright against the darkness of the forest. He was perfect. A creature of immense power. Standing nearly seven feet tall with his ears high and pointed. He had the extended snout face of a beautiful wolf. Including teeth that were long, razor sharp. His fur was a dirty brownish dark color. Shine in the moonlight, adorned with ribbons of black that weave in and out of each other around his massive arms, chest, and shoulders. These were the tattoos given to him by his traveler family, a thatchwork of ink that emanated a bluish color when the light from the moon caught it. He moved through the shadows silently, his ears catching every sound. His hearing was far superior to that of a man. Within minutes, He was back at one of the houses on the edge of town. He could hear the wolves circling the livery. Remaining hidden in the shadows, he peered around the corner. There were five of them moving about. They were taking turns slamming against the barn. Each lunging impacts rattling and shaking the doors violently. The wolves were powerful, but the doors were holding. When the front door wouldn't give, they would try the rear. All the exits were covered, hoping their movement might trick the occupants into thinking there was a way to escape, creating enough fear to entice them to try. As Seth looked around, he couldn't see the black wolf. He could sense his presence. There was a faint musky odor in the air. William was here all right, content to let the pack do most of the work. Seth could no longer wait. The doors looked like they were holding, but the wolves' impact was getting more violent. He was afraid the doors might shatter. He couldn't risk them crashing through and the townsfolk spilling out into the street. The moment they were exposed, death would follow. He moved to the rear of the livery, careful to remain hidden behind the buildings. As he got close, the wolves leaped back to the front door one stayed behind to cover the rear exit. This was his chance. With a mighty paw, he reached from around the corner and grabbed the wolf as it wandered too close. He snatched the wolf so quickly it was hard for anyone to see what had happened. In one movement, he put a clawed hand over its muzzle and another grasped its side. He yanked it to the darkness and quickly snapped the wolf's neck, killing it instantly. Seth slid the wolf quietly to the ground, careful to keep it just behind the building, out of view. The other wolves knew something had happened, but could not see enough to know what. Their eyesight was perfect in the dark, but not through buildings. As the others kept pounding on the front door of the barn, another wolf started to slowly walk towards Seth. The wolf's nose was in the air as it smelled something different. It could sense his presence. Seth silently reached up, pulling himself onto the roof of the porch. He watched as the wolf made its way down the alley toward the back of the library. The wolf continued in the light, careful not to venture too close to the dark. The wolf stopped just at the corner of the building. It looked around nervously as it was apparent something wasn't right. It was quiet and his packmate was not in position. He turned to look back to the front just for a second. Another opportunity for Seth. He jumped from the roof and onto the wolf's back, breaking it. The only sound was the faint crunch of bones. The wolf's body smashing to the ground and went lifeless. He picked up the dead wolf and with one leap, was in the shadows again. He laid the body behind some lumber to the rear of the house, keeping it out of sight. This time, a hideous howl screeched through the night air. seen Seth kill two of his pack. He had been watching the assault in the library from the store across the street, and when Seth arrived, he saw him too. The other wolves darted to the side of the building. They let out a hideous howl, each one yelling out in pain. Seth still couldn't see the black wolf. He knew he was there, but where? Where? He had to draw him out into the open. There was only one way. Seth leapt into the alley and faced the remaining three wolves. They began to move about, frantically snarling and snapping but not advancing. He stood there, slightly hunched, showing his large teeth as saliva poured over his canines. The three wolves gained their composure, just about to attack, when the sound of breaking glass filled the air. The black wolf jumped out of the second story window of the building across the street. When he landed, his red eyes were fixed on Seth. He was determined to kill him in that alley right there, right now. A chance he missed long ago, and again after they fled Marcel two nights ago. The three wolves looked back. With a slight movement of his head, he told them to charge. Seth readied himself for the attack. His clawed feet dug into the dirt as his hands drew into fists. Without a sound, the three began to crouch toward him. They picked up their pace to a trot until they were close enough to pounce. The closest one leapt in, but Seth pivoted to the side and swung a mighty fist, catching the wolf in midair. The wolf let out a yelp as its body slammed against the library wall. As it hit the ground, a second wolf ran toward him, teeth flaring from its snout. Seth reached down and caught the mouth in his hands. The force of the impact reeled him backwards as he fell to the ground with the wolf on top of him. He reached up with his other hand and pulled the jaws apart until the head snapped, killing the wolf. Then the third jumped in, clamping down on Seth's arm with a ferocious bite. Blood sprayed from his forearm as the teeth sunk in. Seth tossed the dead wolf aside and swung his other clawed hand, striking the last wolf across the side. Blood burned flesh ripped from the creature's body. It let go of Seth's arm and let out a cry of pain as it bounced off the ground a few feet away. The injured wolf scrambled to its feet and darted off into the darkness. Seth climbed to his feet and took two steps toward the black wolf. It was time to finish this. He opened his mouth and exposed his fangs in a vicious snarl. The blue in his eyes became more intense. The black wolf stood motionless for a moment, stunned at the loss of his pack. Seth had killed all but one and barely suffered a scratch. This was not the moment the black wolf had hoped for, or the outcome he expected. The black wolf let out a frustrated howl then darted away down the street. Seth gave chase but was not fast enough. Within moments the black wolf disappeared into the darkness of the forest. The black wolf would escape once again. He stood there on Main Street watching the black wolf running out of sight. This fight would have to wait. His thoughts raced and he realized he needed to get back to her. The black wolf was loose and she was no longer safe. Seth ran into another alley and behind some houses to hide in the shadows. As he made his way to the buckskin, his shape returned to that of a man. He reached the horse and put on the coat he had left there. He mounted and raced off down the road. When he arrived back at the church, he found my lady right where he had left her. She remained in the secret room Just as he had asked. Did you kill him? William, is it over? She asked. No. The townsfolk are safe. He slaughtered some of them, the rest managed to hide in the livery. I killed his pack but he would not fight me. He ran off before I could catch him. Why won't he fight you? I thought you said he wasn't afraid of you, she asked. He's not. I think he wants you there. Wants to make you watch as he kills me, he said. She held on to him tightly. The thought was too much. How could William be so sadistic? She knew he could be cruel. There were times growing up when they were children that he would act that way. But she couldn't imagine the boy she knew had turned into this monster. I have to hunt him down, Seth started. William cannot be allowed to form another pack. Seth leaned back and looked into her eyes. Same plan as before. Wait until daylight and make your way to the rocks by the sea. Hide in that cave just as we planned. I'll meet you there. Seth left her again in the hidden room under the church. She was crying as she told me the story. I knew she was afraid he might not return. He had already fought two battles and William was still out there. Now Seth was hunting him down again. Trying to end this. But she had no way of knowing if he would be successful. The townsfolk blamed him for the murders in the alley that night. The witness had not seen the black wolf killing the couple. The woman only saw Seth standing over the bodies after he arrived to confront William. She never knew he was chasing the black wolf from the scene. The townsfolk never saw him as the beast, but they saw his human form and the witness described seeing the tattoos on him in the alley. Anyone with those markings would be killed. And they could not see him fighting for them this night. They would never know it was he that defeated the pack and saved them. Or that it was he that drove the black wolf from their town for the second time. He would always be cursed in more ways than one. Now, she was not only fearful of the black wolf, but of the townsfolk. Seth would not harm them even in his own defense and this made him vulnerable. She was hoping they did not know the secret of silver let alone dark silver. And what about the Hessians? Where were they this whole time? Volker knew the secret of silver but did he know about dark silver? Regardless he aimed to kill Seth as a werewolf or a man. It seemed everyone was looking to kill him. Thank you for joining me on this episode of A Cry in the Moon's Light. Original music by Joseph McDade. You can support the show by making a donation to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Alan McGill. Our creative spotlight is Podchaser. There is nothing better than finding a great podcast. But in a world of over a million podcasts, it's hard to know what's good. Podchaser makes it super easy to find the best podcasts. You can browse ratings, reviews, or follow your favorite celebrities for their next podcast appearance, create playlists for your friends. You can even bookmark interesting episodes to listen to later. It's free. There's no app to download, and you can listen on mobile or desktop. Just go to podchaser.com to get started. In the next chapter, having defeated the pack yet again and saving Marcel, Seth sets out to hunt down William once and for all. The carriage driver and Milady have departed the church to meet Seth on the forest road, but death has finally caught up with our trio. It's the final battle between Seth and the Black Wolf. Someone will die. This podcast is the creation of Alan McGill. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.